Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. How you guys feeling? All right, okay. Those of you who did not answer, today is for you. Today, I want to talk about a topic that um, popped up um, in the last couple weeks, and I, I felt some guilt over, I felt some conviction from the Holy Spirit over, um, which is, you know, I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but there was a, um, a night where I was cooking something in the kitchen, making something for dinner, and I remember reading uh, something about um, different issues that were going on uh, in Afghanistan and Iraq and uh, some things about Christians who were being killed and just and, and all, all kinds of different people and just being, you know, reading it and going, oh my God, it's just, it's horrible. And then putting my phone down and going right back to cooking and didn't think about it for the rest of the night or the next day. And it just kind of dropped off. And I didn't think about it until a couple days later when someone else mentioned something about it, that, oh, this is just horrible. And just thinking like, oh yeah, that's right. I thought about that for about like 24 seconds the other night. And then I was done thinking about it. Um, well, and, and I'm kind of like, well, man, that's, I mean, it's just, I just think, am I, okay, am I broken? Did I get broken? Is my heart hardened? Uh, am I to that point now where I just don't care about anything? Why don't I care about something that seems like it's a really big deal and that, that Christians definitely should care about? Um, and just, it was that realization that um, I am a part of one of the things that drives me so insane uh, that is happening more and more all the time as, as we progress in this society, and that is um, that we are more apathetic than ever. We have more apathy. Um, we are the most apathetic generation. Um, our grandparents didn't have time to be apathetic. They were busy. <laughs> we're apathetic about things, and... Um, ap apathy is that lack of interest um, or lack of feeling about anything. It's a lack of enthusiasm, like lack of passion for something, a lack of concern, really, just a lack of caring. Uh, and so it's the, okay, this thing happened um, nearby or maybe in the news, and maybe I have a lack of concern. I have a lack of interest, a lack of feeling, a lack of enthusiasm, a lack of everything. I have uh, apathy. And apathy is a, um, it's a, it's a killer when it comes to um, just so many things that God wants to do in our lives and has for us. And uh, so I wanted to dig into that a little bit today, okay? We're going to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan. 
Um, if you are not familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan, um, essentially it's Jesus um, being kind of cornered by someone and asked a question. They're trying to trap him and see if he kind of slips up in his answers. Um, I don't have all of this for the screen, but I'm going to read a little bit extra because I think it helps set it up a little bit better. But the story of the Good Samaritan is in Luke chapter 10, if you want to follow along. It says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, well, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you'll live. Do this and you'll be given that eternal life. But he wanted to justify himself, and so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And who is my neighbor? This is kind of our loophole that we find ourselves in a lot of times, right? Like, I know I'm supposed to live, like, love my neighbors, but I live in an apartment building. Like, I grew up in apartment buildings. I'm like, all of them? Man, if you live in an apartment building, you got at least two neighbors. They're lucky you don't have them arrested. That's my version of loving them. But he said, well, who's my, who's, who, who do you mean, my neighbor? What, by the, and I don't know how, clo like how close houses were at this time, and so maybe uh, your neighbor had a little bit of a different meaning because um, they weren't really, you know, they weren't really in a subdivision. But anyways, he says he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And replied, Jesus said, well, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So, so <laughs> he crossed the street. Like, this is a situation where a guy is beaten and bloody and he's laying there in a naked mess. Probably just uh, inappropriate, should be blurred out with pixelated stuff all over. The priest comes upon this and he goes, eh -er. <laughs> He crosses the street and he goes by. <laughs> okay. It says, so too... A Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey. He took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any expense that you may have. 
Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Which one was the good neighbor? The one who had mercy on him. And so this is a situation where uh, it's a it's a perfect picture, though, of what I'm talking about is just the not really caring about anything that's going on, being able to just walk past something uh, and maybe even uh, not just ignore it, but cross on the other side of the street when you see certain things. It's an image of apathy that, you know, it's, like it's not my problem. Do you guys do not my problem stuff? Like it's kind of celebrated more. It, what I see in social media is not my problem is kind of a, it's kind of a mantra to a lot of people. They're like, uh-uh, not my problem. I'm not doing that. I don't get paid to do that. I don't want to take any risk. I got things to do. And so my question is, well, as believers, um, I definitely know that's not okay to not care about certain things or to help in certain situations. Um, but why don't I care like Jesus calls me to care? Why don't I care the way that he calls me to care? Um, you ever think about that? Like, mm, why am I, I mean, I'm trying, but I think my, I think my care organ is broken. Like, I think my sympathy uh, is not very good. And so one of the reasons why I believe that is is because the volume of information is overwhelming now. The volume of information is overwhelming. And so where we live now with our technology, uh, all within a day, we just heard that there was an earthquake in Nepal, and then uh, we read about a cat that fell into a hole, and oh, that's so sad, and oh my God, it was a, a hairless cat, it's even sadder. And then there was a car bomb in Syria, and then there was a, a GoFundMe about um, this, this, this girl that has cancer, and then there was like a, and it just goes on and on and on and on, and you can't care about all of the stuff. Like, you can't care about all of it, right? And so there's too many things to care about. And so we get overwhelmed. And sometimes we can fall into that place of just not caring about anything. We shuffle it all off and just make a decision that there's too much to care about, so I won't care about anything. Uh, one of the other reasons why I believe we don't care the way that Jesus would call us to care about people, about important things, injustices in the world, things, are, things that are just wrong, um, things that need, need people to help fix them kind of stuff. Um, one of the other reasons is that we feel helpless to make a change. We feel helpless to make a change. And so it's really hard for us to care about things when you feel like you can't really make a difference about something. Um, and so uh, we, we want to do something, but we think we don't have enough skill or we don't have enough what, whatever. What, what difference would it make? It's like spitting into the ocean type thing. The third reason I think that we don't 
care really the way that Jesus calls us to is because we're actually blessed uh, with comfort and we're cursed with comfort. Uh, We're blessed and cursed with comfort in this day and age. Uh, You can get anything delivered to your house within two hours, like with an app. Um, Like if you don't believe in that or something like that, like, I'm sorry, I feel sad for you. You should check out technology. It's amazing. My wife and I went to Sam's Club uh, a couple weeks ago, and right away, like, it, I have no idea what we're th- We go in there, and it's just optimal hour where the lines have like 47 people in them each with 500 items in a cart, and we're grabbing stuff, and I keep looking at it like, man, those are the same people that were in line when we, got, when we came in. That line's not moving. This isn't moving. Why didn't I just order this stuff online? But the cart's already getting filled up and everything. We run into a friend, and uh, she noticed that we're talking about how ridiculous the line is, and she's like, what are you talking about? Why don't you just use the app and scan the items as you go, and then it automatically pays when you leave the store. We're like, huh? And so we get this information, we employ it, and then right away, I'm walking past all those people in line like, you stupid idiots. (laughs) See you later. Anyways, we are blessed and cursed with comfort. And... um, And so life is really just kind of all about us. And so that can be something that causes us not to care about other people or things that should be important to us. How do we overcome apathy? How the heck do we do that? Also, apathy is a thing that I would put um, like right in between boredom and depression. Um, Apathy is an actual medical condition. and it goes uh, often with depression. They can exist separately, but 98% of all depression cases also have apathy, uh, where the person feels like they just don't have, I just don't, I don't care about anything. I'm not excited about anything. I'm not um, passionate about anything. I'm not nothing kind of thing. How do you overcome apathy? Because this is one of the things that's been proven um, from not a medication standpoint that apathy can be um, remedied quite a bit easier than, than the actual depression. But apathy can be fixed through a few different things, but most of them have to do with um, forcing yourself to do uncomfortable stuff. The first would be consistently you're a note taker, how do you overcome apathy? Number one, you consistently expose yourself to something that creates righteous discomfort. I know that's a big sentence, but basically you need to find a holy discontent. You need to find a thing that causes a righteous anger to rise up in you, something that you actually care about, that you feel something for. And so 
This is consistently exposing yourself to something that creates a righteous discomfort. Like, I don't like this, but if you consistently do it, you will start to fall in love with certain things. Um, I know so many different people who have gone on a mission trip, and they, uh, you know, it's maybe seven or eight days long. Four days in, they're like, my life will never be the same. I am forever changed. What am I going to, I should just call work from here and quit now. I should do this. I should do that. I, I, I'm forever altered. And if you've been on like a lot of these trips, you might be, which I'm a jerk, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> call me in a couple weeks. Because inevitably what happens is this, this depression or this sadness or heaviness uh, hits you like a truck when you return from these mission trips. You come back and you're telling people stories about things and then they're like, well, tell me what, what was it like? And all of a sudden you're like, you don't really feel like talking about it because you don't, all of a sudden this thing starts to weigh in because it is the, it's the rest of the world coming back in. Life, work, bills, fingernails breaking. Uh, I got to buy shoes. I got to do this. I got to do this. And all of a sudden, this, this thing you had in you, this passion that had just risen up on that trip, all of a sudden it got quenched by something. A righteous discomfort is that, that thing in you that's like, oh, no. And, and you might know someone who has this. They might even annoy you with it. Because they're always like, oh my gosh, she's bringing it back around to the whales again. She's got a holy discontent about the whales. And we need to have those things. Um, there's a retired Major League Baseball player named Adam LaRoche who uh, played for 12 years with five or six different teams. He never played with the Reds, but... Uh, he retired in 2016, shortly after um, him and some other Christian baseball players went on a mission trip to Southeast Asia to help with rescuing sex slaves from um, these brothels. And I have no idea how they got in with this organization or how everything worked, but they they went there and they did actual good work and they rescued all these, all these young girls. And it was one of those moments where he said everything had changed. He said, I'm just, I'm not the same anymore. I came back and I'm not the same person. Um, one of the things he said he realized was that he was completely missing out on his son growing up, um, just being a major league player. Uh, his son was 14 years old. He'd been playing for 12 years and it's about 10 months out of the year or so, just barely ever seeing the kid, and that he had to uh, drastically change that. And so he asked his team at the time, the Washington Nationals, um, you know, it was during the beginning of summer break, and asked if, um, can my 14-year-old son come to the clubhouse and hang out with me, you know, while we're getting ready and they're like, yeah, absolutely. And so his son begins coming to the clubhouse and getting ready with him, helping stretch out on the field and everything. And, 
everybody's happy. After about two weeks, uh, some people complained, I guess, and they're like, okay, we kind of, we're over it now. Um, can we have the kid not here with us anymore? And so they told him that uh, he had to stop bringing his son to the ball field. And he said, well, yeah, I'm just going to have to quit then. They said, well, there's still $12 million left on your contract. He said, see you. I got to go hang out with my son. And he left in 2016. After that, um, he took part in a group that started a new, um, a new mission organization that also travels into Southeast Asia and has been rescuing uh, sex slaves. Um, he had one of those experiences where um, all of a sudden he is given a, you know, a holy discontent, a righteous discomfort, and he can't, he, he can't ignore it anymore. Like nothing can, $12 million can't even do it. And so what, what I saw in that, what I see in myself, what I've experienced before is that if you lean into whatever makes you righteously uncomfortable, if you lean into that thing, um, apathy will just start to dry up and disappear. Apathy can turn into a righteous passion if you allow it. It says in Romans chapter 9, With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. If that would save them. Paul, the Apostle Paul, I mean, this guy was kind of important in the faith. He did a lot of incredible things for the kingdom of God. God moved powerfully through him, and he is saying, the thing that has um, been put on my heart, the thing that is a holy discontent in me, that is a, you know, a righteous discomfort in me, is my Jewish brothers and sisters, and it's all I can think about. Bitter sorrow and un unending grief. I would be willing to be cursed and cut off from Christ if that would save them. I'm willing to do that, God, if that'll save them. That's how far I'd be willing to go. It's all I can think about. Man, that's, I would say he cares. <laughs> like, his care, his care organ is working. And so how the heck do you overcome apathy? Um, I believe it has to do with Exposing yourself to righteous discomfort. It also has to do with focusing on something. Channeling your passion. Focus on something. Um, many things are going to catch your attention, but few things are going to capture your heart. And so you do have to try some things. Uh, sometimes you have to force your way into certain things. Give it a shot. Say, nope, that wasn't the thing that captured my heart. Nope, that's not what God has called me to. And you have to see what... But some of you already know. 
you already know because something comes up or anytime you see it on TV or in a movie or someone talks about it and you get kind of fidgety when they bring up, um, you know, unborn babies or when they bring up racial injustice or human trafficking or clean drinking water. I have a couple friends right now who it was just, that was the thing that God put on their heart more than anything, clean drinking water. And so um, rather than getting anything for their birthday, they said, would you please consider donating uh, to be able to build this well in a place where they don't have clean drinking water? And it's, it's, that's a, it's a righteous discomfort and you focused on something. That something could be maybe cancer research stuff or foster care and adoption. It could be student ministry, overseas missions work, discipleship classes, life groups, mental illness, freedom from porn or alcohol or drugs or whatever. It could be so many different things. Um, but if you're someone right now who maybe you're making a little bit of difference in many places, um, it, it might be that time for you to try to focus on making a big difference in, in a few places or one. And so you join those people who are doing it. You find out who is doing this thing. You join up. last one and we'll close up how do you overcome apathy this one's kind of hard this one is really hard you have to embrace what hurts you have to embrace what hurts uh, Paul said my heart is filled with bitter sorry and unending grief because he's he's owning it you know Paul is up to stuff he could completely you know, he could completely put that over here in the peripheral. I don't have to think about that. I don't have to think about my, my brothers and sisters over there. I could be doing my thing and we're celebrating. But he's like, no, I can't. I, I can't. He embraced what hurts. Um, one of the lies that a lot of people believe is that it's easier not to care about you know, the, the hard stuff, like when you think about sex trafficking, when you think about uh, the racial injustices, when you think about um, those who don't have enough to eat or drink, just all kinds of things, uh, sicknesses in other countries, and just, it, it can be overwhelming, and you can think, you know what, it's easier just not to care, it's better to not get involved, Here's what I would say for today, more than anything. It is easier to hurt with a purpose than it is to exist without one. It's easier to hurt with a purpose than to exist without one. And so you might be someone right now who is actually rich with blessings. I'm praying specifically that you would be blessed with a burden. That if you're rich with blessings, that you would be blessed with a burden that you would be given that thing like, okay, now I know why I've been saving up. Now I know why God's been preparing me for this thing.
Moses had a passion for a singular thing that, what did he scream again and again? Let my people go. Uh, David had kind of a, a, his, his thing that rose up in him that was that righteous anger was, who are you to come against the armies of the Lord? Who do you think you are? Goliath. Who do you think you are? Enemies of God. Uh, and Jesus had that, that holy discontent in him. The thing that was like that broke him that he couldn't ever shake was he said, they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're like sheep without a shepherd. His heart was just broken for us. Any of you in here know that thing that you're supposed to care a lot about and you keep avoiding it? Like you keep running away from it? I have certain things too where it's just, um, like I have a, a, a heart for certain little kids where I can, I feel like I can read if they're, if that little kid is ashamed in any way because I feel like I was made to be ashamed when I was a little kid over things and I can kind of see it on, and it just breaks my heart when I see it and I really try to engage with that kid and, and make them know that they're awesome. <laughs> um, but it's just like these little things that God could have placed in you that's waiting to be activated. So we're going to close with this. I'd like you all to please stand. And I want to uh, read a blessing over you. And um, we'll close with that. May God bless you with discomfort at any easy answers or half-truths or superficial relationships so that you can live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger at injustice in the world. Bless you with anger for oppression and exploitation of people so that you would be able to work for justice, that you would work for freedom, you would work for peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain or rejection or starvation or war, so that you might be able to reach your hand out and comfort them and turn their pain into joy. May God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can actually make a difference in this world and that you would be able to do the thing that other people claim cannot be done because we've seen it done and we're asking for more of it Lord we say come Holy Spirit we pray that you would give us a holy discontent inside of us Something that we're just no longer okay with, that we would make an incredible impact for the kingdom of God, representing you and doing good in the world towards this thing. Help us to not be apathetic. God, we don't want to be in between bored and depressed. Your promise was life to the full. 
and we thank you for making good on it. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, brothers and sisters. If you would like to be prayed for for anything, we're going to have some prayer team people over here who would love to do that. I will see you guys soon. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.